Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Lance, and today is an episode that has been in the works for months, I would probably say at this point. And it's an episode that I've personally been wanting to do, period, for a long time. So we are talking about our top five favorite comics in our collections. And in order to do this, I had to bring on two of my favorite people in the podcasting community, people that I text almost on a daily basis in our own group chat. Let's start off with Jake from Spectales Podcast. How you doing, Jake? Hey, thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, I, like you said, been looking forward to this for weeks, months. I don't know how long it's been now because we've been BSing about it in our chat. <laughs> and I got to say, I needed that much time just to whittle down a small enough list to bring on the show today. So, no, very excited. Very excited. Yeah. And then to round out our trio of awesome today, we have Mike from Tencent Takes. What's going on? Hello. Yeah, no, this has been a long time coming, and I'm very, very excited about it. I'm, uh, surprisingly, not as much trash on this list as I expected. Oh, that is surprising. No spoilers, Mike. No spoilers. <laughs> I was just expecting foil covers, like a sea of foil covers on your screen during this episode. <laughs> I mean... That's a good, that's, that is not an unreasonable expectation for me, but <laughs> there's <laughs> foil covers, die cuts, pop up, God, <laughs> scratch and sniff. <laughs> I, yeah, I have a scratch and sniff cover, believe it or not. That's uh the Ren and Stimpy number one. Oh my God. I think. Yes, I think. it is. Yeah. I looked at that today, actually. I was going through my books. It wasn't. It didn't. It wasn't going to make even remotely any of my list. But I was like, I I came across it. I was like, oh shit! I forgot I had this one. So. Yeah, yeah. Comic books are weird. They are, but they're amazing, and that's why we love them, and that's why we have way too many of them, leading <laughs> to us having to decide our top five favorites. Now, this list is not like a definitive of this is our five favorite stories from comics it's not this is our five most expensive books it's just our personal however we wanted to interpret it favorite books in our personal collections and i guess to even start it off how how difficult was it for you guys to whittle it down to five uh i'm gonna go with very is that uh <laughs> what that yeah. uh-huh. very difficult uh simply because i I'm weighing between the emotional attachment to the book versus my enjoyment of the story or there's so many different aspects when it comes to a comic book where I could love a specific series as a whole, but maybe not one individual book within that series sticks out as like the one I, you know, that you love the most or whatever. So, uh, yeah, it took a, it took a few minutes, a lot of showers. Right. I, I thought I had to think about it in over many showers uh, and I came up with them. <laughs> of course, the, the thinking man's room. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think we've been talking about this for a month and I immediately put together a list of like just the comics that I always think of in my collection for various reasons. And then I've been going back and forth on all of them. And it's it's tough, man. It's hard to pick your favorite child. It is. Very. Now I'll admit there were a couple that were like, oh yeah, that one's going in there. Like there, there are a couple that were easy, but a majority of them were like that one or this one. And then, yeah, so but there were a few favorites, instant, instant knee jerk reaction favorites. 
Yeah, I, I think I had my top three pretty quickly. Yeah, you, you look like one of those guys, Lance. Yeah. <laughs> I I had two, but yeah. It uh there were two that were immediately on there and they didn't come off. But other than that, it was kind of a, a flip flop. Yeah, I think my list changed daily, if not hourly, as I kept thinking about this. Did any of you did either of you like come up with your list and then remember that you had a book and you're like, oh, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Happened to me multiple times. Yeah. That's why I like my CLZ app because I can just flip through it and be like, oh, that's right. I do own this book. Right. Yeah. And I mean, like, even that's not complete for me because I'm way behind on cataloging everything that I have. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the other problem is that like half of my, actually more than half are my comics are over at my in-laws right now because we're going to remodel the garage and then turn it into like an office storage space. And, and so like just most of my comics are at a closet at their place right now while we're waiting to do that for safekeeping. Um, so I'm curious, how big are both of your personal collections? Like roughly? What do you think, Jake? I, I, it's such a wild ass guess. I don't know. Somewhere in the ball, it, it probably not as big as most because I went in and out of collecting and I lost a lot of books. Uh, so maybe around, I don't know, 800 to a thousand. That's good. I actually, this, this week when I went to go pick up my books uh, from my local shop, I passed a thousand. So I, mm. I just to end my thousandth book in my collection was from image comics, the, the dead lucky by Melissa Flores. Mm. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm very happy about that. That book's amazing. So I'm, I'm behind. And according to CLZ, I have 2,400. Nice. But the You're other thing is us. like, well, the other thing is like, I don't flip books. I don't like, I just kind of hoard them because I, and I pick up a lot of stuff from dollar bins. Yeah. Yeah. You're like your, your favorites though. I, I like the way you collect just because there's so much like fun involved with finding like mm -hmm. those weird variants and, and just like what you always talk about, like the nineties, like garbage. The 90s books. Trash, yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> It brings you joy, and that's what comics are all about. If it makes you happy, like collect it. It's super yeah. fun. Yeah, and uh, and it's really fun every now and then. Like the other thing about '90s trash is that a lot of them now are going for pretty serious money on eBay, but a lot of people don't realize that. And so, if you're going through long boxes in like, you know, the flea market or an antique store or whatever, a lot of times you'll find really random variants that they have no clue about. Like I recently found the the rare hollow foil for crimson number one for 250 at an antique store and it was in great condition and that thing like the cheapest i found out on ebay was 60 bucks oh dang yeah so like and again i'm not going to sell it i'm like i want to own this like this is early humberto ramos work it's or yeah i think humberto ramos um i'm like but it's just it's really cool you know it's a lot of fun that's I love going through dollar bins because you never know what you can find. I found uh, what if Silver Surfer obtained the Infinity Gauntlet in a dollar bin. Nice. So cool. Well, and that one started going for money to you after uh, mm -hmm. the Infinity War movies, right? Yeah, it, it started going up and, and it was in the dollar bin because it had like one nick on the spine. And I'm like, I don't care about this nick. I want to own this in my collection. Same thing. I found first uh, uh, She-Venom 
in the dollar bin. Like there's tri- there's gold to find in dollar bins. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I found a ton of Evangeline, Evangeline, whatever her name is. She was that yeah. really trashy 90s character that Rob Liefeld Studio put together. <laughs> <laughs> and there was like holofoil covers and a photo cover with the model that they use. I'm like, oh my God, this is <laughs> like there's gold in those dollar bins just in terms of ridiculousness. Just sometimes reading those stories is is absolutely worth the dollar buy. I mean, I was threatening you guys with this entire list is going to be nothing but Rob Liefeld. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't think anybody would be disappointed with that. Just a, a treasure trove dive into Rob Liefeld's <laughs> collection. One of my favorite things I found was in the Extinction Agenda collection. It was, you know, the reprint of that whole storyline. And I found in one of the New Mutants issues he drew, it showed Jubilee and I think a couple of other people running. I think it was Jubilee, but running and she's got her foot forward. And I realized he drew her with two left feet. And I was like, yep. just chef's kiss. Perfection. Yep. That that sounds about right. But we, we've we kind of been chatting for a bit. And I think it, it's time that we dive into uh, our runner ups just because we have so many books in our collections and there's so much that we love. So let's just talk about the few books that didn't make it on our mm. top five list. So you want to you want to start that one off, Jake? Do you have one that you want to throw out there? Yes, I will start it off. So something that I don't know if you guys have this still. Um, I still have the very first comic book I purchased with my own money. So this and it was it was hard. I I thought about maybe even including this in the top five, but this is uh, now I'd had some comic books before this. This was the one I took my money, went into the store, and I still remember buying it. Uh, this is Spider-Man Maximum Clonage Alpha. Yes. Oh wow! I have that book. Yeah, I don't. This is. But I see a hollow. This is literally cover. that. Yeah, yeah, this is this is my my copy. It's missing a couple of pages like and then like this is falling out. Like this is not a great sh- in great shape copy. But the foil variant is like it's almost dent free. Like this thing is it I mean the outside it's been very well protected, I guess. So anyway, this is, I I remember the store. I remember where the comic book store was. I remember going in the whole thing. This was uh, 1995, I think. It was the summer of 95. So I would have been 10 years old when I bought the book. Uh, And I just remember I had some money and I went with a friend. Uh, That was why I, like, the reason I, he was going to the comic book store. And for me, growing up in a small town, this was like 45 minute drive away. So I was excited, got some of my money, went there, and I bought that book. So it, it didn't make the top five, but it still, I still have it. I have very few from my original collection, and that's that's one that stuck in my head. That's that's awesome. That is a total Mike book too. So I expect I, I expect you to say that you picked that one up pretty soon, Mike. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm definitely going to keep an eye out for it now. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a great one. All right, what's your what's your first runner up? Um, it, well, it's also a Spider-Man book. Uh, it is, it is my signed and graded white Spider-Man 2099 number one. Oh, that, that's not in your top five. Whoa. No. Like it's the one, the ones on, 
on the runner up list were the ones where I'm like, they're really cool and I love to tell people about them, but they don't have that extra special connection. Okay. Dang. That's yeah. that's shocked me. That surprised me. That's like the first book I messaged. And I was like, your your 2099 is going to be on that list, right? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But no, that, uh, that was that was, again, like a 90. Like it was kind of like one of those weird gimmick covers. And I was like, that's really cool. And I. I was celebrating getting a new job. And so or well, I was celebrating leaving a really toxic old job, buying buying a house and starting a new job. And I was like, I got to I got to celebrate. I got to do something wild. And so I I found that I bought it signed by Peter David graded 9.4. And, and then the next day, the day after I bought it, they dropped the 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 new Miles Morales trailer that shows Miguel O'Hara, like, you know, knocking him through the multiverse. And I was like, well, <laughs> my comic collection is doing better than my stock portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a oh, I love that book so much. I've been on the hunt for that one for a while now. It popped up on like a, a Facebook post not too long ago for a pretty solid price, but it had already sold by the time I saw it. And I was like, Dang it. And it's it's so funny because it wasn't like a retailer variant or anything. It came with the action figure of Spider-Man 2099. And those things back then, nobody cared about when those came out. Like nobody yeah. cared about. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, it, since then, it's just gone nuts. If you can find that toy with the comic, like all still sealed, that thing goes for money. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I have enough collecting addictions. I don't need to start collecting action figures. <laughs> <laughs> just just that specific one yeah well, what about you what's your uh, first runner-up uh my first runner-up is going to be uh, a book that me- me- does mean a lot to me just because we ha- recently had the passing of george perez i got this book probably a month before that happened uh it is dc presents 26 so this is going to be the first appearance of the new teen titans as nice. well as uh, the first appearance of Raven, Cyborg, and Starfire. I uh, Raven is one of my favorite characters of all time in comics. And after we did our episode for the podcast on Raven, I proceeded to start my hunt for this issue. And I was finally able to find it for a solid price. And uh, it turned out that it was actually even a newsstand variant too. So it oh, was wow. posted, it was listed for the direct edition price and when i looked up what the new stand was going for i was very surprised so i got it for a steal i i love this book very cool that's awesome great pickup thanks so wait so one of your favorite characters first appearance didn't make your top five it didn't make my top five shameful i know shameful <laughs> there's, there's gonna be a lot of shame associated with these lists i'm sure <laughs> all right uh mike i'll go next because mm-hmm. I got the book right here. Uh, so this one, um, not as much sentimental value. However, uh, for those who have listened to Spectales, and I know you two have listened to a few of the episodes, it's a book I've talked a lot about. And so it's kind of become my like go-to favorite spec book that like of the last few years that I've just really gone in on. Uh, and it's just turned into a running joke now, but this is Journey, Journey into Mystery Annual Number 1. Uh, which is the first appearance of Hercules. So at one point, and I know people are going to cringe, at one point I had six of these uh, <laughs> books. Oh, man. Uh, and it, it started like a year and a half ago, maybe not quite two, uh, but I was just really, really into Hercules. 
So I went out and I got one. And then uh, and then they announced uh, Thor God and uh, Love and Thunder. And they announced Gore the God Butcher. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, bringing in the gods. Yeah. Hercules is coming. That sort of, so so then I loaded up and I bought more. And then I it became an a problem where I had a, a bell on eBay where it was just like ding. Oh, there's another one. Oh, I gotta look at that one. Uh <laughs> anyway, I am I only have one now. This is mine. This uh, like this is the one that I, I wanted to keep. I did get this graded myself uh, as a 5.0 white page copy, but the thing I love the most, the reason I chose this one, and I don't think I can show you guys but it is date stamped oh very oh from like the newsstand yeah yeah so this is june 10th 1965 is the stamp that they put on it and i i really like that sort of i know it's an old book and all the books are old but there is something about it that's just it feels more like there's more history attached to it i don't even know where it was stamped but it just i like that aspect yeah does that i'm curious like did the date stamps does that reduce the grade nope it, it can, well, no. Okay. So I think it depends on the stamp. If it's handwritten, like which some, they didn't always stamp yeah. it, but if it was handwritten, that can uh, impact the grade. Uh, but my understanding though, is if it's like a, a standardized stamp that it won't. So yeah, Lance, you're correct. Uh, so it's an, I don't have a lot of graded comics, but this is another one. Um, it is Tomb of Dracula 10 and it is... <sighs> a very nice grade. Um, I, again, this was one where I had a big milestone in my life. I bought it because I was celebrating. I love blade. The blade movies are some of my, well, except for the third one. Um, the first two blade movies are some of my favorite movies. Um, I really was getting into comic collecting when midnight suns came out. Uh, and so like blade was always this really cool character. I always really enjoyed him. And yeah, it's just one of those books that I love showing off and telling people about. But again, it doesn't have that that extra special connection. That's great. Yeah, but what a grade. What a book. Mike's Mike's top five is going to crush ours if these books are off of the list. I mean, like, that's the thing is like the stuff that I'm I'm like, these are cool books to own that I love showing off and telling people about. But at the same time, like these don't have the the personal stories that I have for all the other ones. Yeah, makes sense. Understood. Yeah, yeah, totally. My my next runner ups are kind of a twofer because mm. they are like they are both very near and dear to my heart because they were part of my morning cartoon regiment or afternoon. I can't remember which time period, but I'm talking about Batman Beyond number one, the third printing. So it nice. doesn't have the UPC on it, and I actually nice. have two of them. Uh, I, I lucked out on an offer up posting. I was actually looking for the Power Rangers Masked Rider crossover, which I also bought from this person, but then they also had, uh, two copies of this book. And this is actually the printing that I was searching for, for a long time. I love, love the first print obviously, but I like the way it looks without a UPC code on it. So love that, love that story because Batman Beyond is one of my favorite animated series of all time. And it goes along with this other book, which is Static, 1A and 1B. Uh, I found both of these in a local shop when I was living in Utah. It was just in their back stock. I think I paid five bucks a piece for these because wow. this was this was years back. So no one was hunting for this book, but I love mm-hmm. Static. 
when I was living in Arizona for grad school, I went to anime. I went to the Phoenix Fan Fusion, and Dennis Cowan was there. So one of the co-creators of Static, as well as one of the co-founders of Milestone Comics, and I had him sign both of these issues. So they 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 mean a lot to me. I watched a lot of TV growing up. Virgil and Terry were two of my favorite characters. Period. So I, I love these books. Yeah, which um. Which cover came with the polybag version? Because I've got the polybag version in my collection, but I can't remember which one. I think it's the red one. I think. Uh, I think you're right. I believe it is the red one. Yeah. The uh, the Batman Beyond, man, they haven't announced anything for that, but that book is just crazy money now. Yep. Like, no matter what printing you have. And there's there was one edition that they were giving out at Six Flags theme parks mm-hmm. at one point. Like So yeah, there's some fun variants of that. Yeah, the Six Flags one is the cheapest one you can find right now. The really? the first printing, yeah, the first printing it goes for a lot, and then some people are trying to say that the printing I have, the third one, is like the least printed one. So there's sometimes they're priced super high, and then it's all over the place. Prior to previous books I've talked about, um, so the Thor one that was that was a book that it was specifically a collectible I bought. I bought it to collect it, and the first book I bought it to read it. I bought it to just to. Ha- to have it you know to read the storyline so i i try and distinguish between a little bit between what a a book that i bought as a reader like every wednesday you go to the your lcs and you buy books that you're reading right well uh i distinguish between the books that i bought as readers and the books that i bought as collector collectibles uh so this was actually the first book i bought as a collectible specifically just to just to have it uh, not necessarily to read it. I had bought it raw in 2010. Uh, so that was when I bought my first real collectible, and that is Captain America 100, uh, mm. which is the 1968 um, uh, yeah. book. Uh, it was Captain America's first solo cover in the Silver Age. Um, it says 100, but they were just continuing. You guys are aware, right? They were yes. just continuing mm-hmm. Yeah. The- Captain America Iron Man series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an amazing book. Yeah, it, so I bought it raw, and I had read it the first time when I had first gotten it. And then a uh, year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, I decided to get it graded, um, which was also, it was the first collectible I bought. It was also the first book I ever got graded. Uh, so that was also, so that's that. It, it's got a little bit of sentimental meaning to me, so that's why I put it there. Yeah, no, that's nice. that's amazing. All right, Mike, the final runner-up. The final runner up, it is Transformers UK 113, which is the first appearance of Death's Head in comics. So cool. Like, I love Death's Head. Um, I'm going to be talking about it later on, but I Death's Head was one of those weird characters that really just grabbed me as soon as I discovered him. And I found him when they did the Marvel Universe trading cards, and he was like in the second series of that. But he is a time traveling robot bounty hunter but he calls himself a freelance peacekeeping agent and he debuted in this transformers comic but it turns out marvel liked him so much that what they did to get around it because any character that they introduced in the transformers comics were then property of hasbro they did a one like one page insert on a bunch of different comics where he showed up in like a one page mini story so they were like, no, 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 he's one of our original characters. We're just loaning him out for the like, you know, this little story arc. And he's gone on to, you know, bounce all over the place. He's dealt with Doctor Who. He's interacted with like the Fantastic Four and She-Hulk and 
it's great um and then the thing is is that these because it's a uk comic it's like magazine format size and it's really hard to find and i managed to pick up a copy years ago in pretty decent shape and these days i wouldn't be able to afford a nice copy like it's it's just gotten ridiculous people are i think specking on them i don't i don't know why i don't know what's going on unless jake can fill us in on something that i haven't heard but not not that i've heard sorry but if you want to if you ever want to read the story it was collected in a graphic novel called transformers fallen angel you can find it super cheap like amazon has paperback copies right now for like 10 bucks oh cool so yeah a lot of fun yeah i'm excited after we've talked about death's head multiple times so i i'm very excited to jump into that character storylines i need to read about them Mm -hmm. yeah so my last runner up i i have a few other here but i'm gonna go with this one and that is thor 337 so first appearance of beta ray bill I'm surprised that that is on your runner-up list. Me too. Um, <laughs> I I got this book very early on when I started collecting when I when I went to college. So I, I've talked about it on the show before. My buddy, one of my roommates in college, got me into reading more comics. I started collecting more. And in the local shop I went to, I randomly opened up the Thor section. And I was like, hey, this character looks really cool. I want this mm-hmm. book. I paid $3. And I, I got this one. I got this one and 338. So the cover with Thor fighting Beta on the cover. Uh, and so I paid six bucks for the two of them. And I absolutely love this book. It's not in the perfect. It's not in perfect shape, but it, it's just one of my favorites in my collection. Just because Beta is a beast, and I'm so hopeful that we get beta in the MCU in the future. I, I would love it if beta ended up being on like a new guardians team or something. Well, I mean like we got a cameo of his face in Ragnarok, right? Like yeah. he was on the, the, mm-hmm. the grandmasters or grandmaster grandmasters building. Yeah. I definitely think he's coming and I, I do think that the success of the latest series uh, yeah. is certainly, I mean, it, it's, I think it's signifying that that people love the character and are willing to to shell out cash to be entertained by the character. And with Feige, just his hands and fingers are in literally everything. There's no way he doesn't know that. It's it's funny you mentioned the new series with DWJ, so Daniel Warren Johnson doing that latest series. It was epic because I also just really quickly have my murder Falcon hardcover right next to me. Uh, I didn't include this on my list because it's a collected edition, but uh, Daniel Warren Johnson's amazing. He busted out this incredible sketch on the inside of this at San Diego comic-con and I'm in love with it. This for sure would be in my top. If we were talking about favorite stories of all time, this is top two for me. Yeah. And he, they just announced that he's no longer doing sketches, right? Because people were like flipping him. Yeah, so he he is extremely nice. He's probably one of the nicest creators I've ever met. And if you brought a hardcover or if you purchased a hardcover at his booth, he would do one of these quick sketches inside of it. And it's beautiful. It looks amazing. And he when he does these signings, he does it through a company called, I think it's called like Felix Comic Art or Felix Art. 
Yep. And and they're they're wonderful people to work with. They they ran a fantastic booth at the convention, kept things flowing very well, extremely nice people. So I I a hundred percent encourage everyone to reach out if you want anything to do with a lot of the artists that they work with through Felix because it, it's phenomenal. I cannot recommend them enough. But uh like Mike, what you said is that people are starting to flip these online. And so something that he does out of the kindness of his heart for fans, people are just taking advantage of because he does it for free. You do not pay for these sketches. And so people are trying to flip them for 200, 300 bucks. And so they basically came out and said that he's no longer going to be doing these type of sketches. They will make it available for people to get like a more complete version of a sketch, but people will have to pay for it at the convention. So uh, I feel very fortuitous that I was able to get mine as a very big fan of his at the convention before he stopped doing them. So, but it's just a bummer. Like this is why we can't have nice things sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Completely agree. There's, there is a, yeah, there is a light and a dark side to the, to the collecting market. And, uh, you know, unfortunately the, the greedy side, you know, when it's funny when, when the creators and the, the individuals in, in charge of, creating because there is some uh, publishers and individuals out there where you see them they're doing you know a hundred variants and things like that and you're like okay are you just are you just trying to get money with all these variants that's the publishers but then you mm-hmm. also have on the, the collector side they're buying these things and then reselling them or they're buying you know a hundred copies and they're reselling them but then there are just the collectors the individuals that they just want a copy of the book. And like, for me, I do resell some of my books. Uh, the, the journey into mystery annual number one was an outlier. That's the only book I've ever had more than two of, uh, ever. Um, and in that case, I even did feel a little weird having Mm -hmm. that many copies of that book. Uh, so one of the copies, uh, I gave away, uh, on our, on our show, uh, I did it as a giveaway. And another one I sold for way under market value to a friend who just really loved Hercules. I had met him on Instagram. We've been friends for over a year. And he just wanted a copy of the book. And I said, listen, I got a, quite a few. What you know?" And I gave him way below market value uh, for it. And I know he still has it and he's not flipping it. So there, mm-hmm. you know, you, you find uh, there's there are positive sides to the collecting, but that's so disappointing when you have a creator willing to give and he just has no idea that the market is turning and flipping what he's what he's doing yeah that it was really disappointing just because he he's so nice it's so cool like i i ran into him multiple times on the floor after meeting him and he remembered my name like that that's just the kind of creator he is and that's rad yeah and his commission pieces oh, they are sick they are so cool. My goal for next Comic Con is to be able to save up enough money to buy a commission piece by him because, wow, are they incredible. We need to get into our top five. So this is our actual list. So we just spent 30 minutes talking about our incredible oh, collections. No. All right. uh, yeah, so we will we will go uh, a little maybe a little faster just talking about our sure. top five. And we'll, we'll do this like a, we'll do a snake back and forth. So. Uh, let's see, uh, Jake. Do you want to start us off? Uh, yes, I will, and I'll again continue to attempt to be brief. All right, first one. Uh, I am a huge fan of horror comics, and always—I mean, always have been—and I've long been a fan of the Creepy magazine. 
So uh, huge fan of Creepy, huge fan of the and, – and Eerie. But my favorite artist within the Creepy magazine and a lot of uh, uh, pre-code stuff, Frank Franzetta. Uh, I, I'm a huge Franzetta fan. And so his my favorite cover of his is Creepy 32. So this is my my copy of Creepy 32. Uh, it is the backside of a werewolf uh, looking at a full moon. And it is one of my just absolute favorite covers. I think it's gorgeous. Uh, yeah. I do have, I did get this slabbed, uh, and it's a 9.2 white page copy. Uh, this book is from 1970. So this is not an overly valuable book. I, I don't, I personally don't even know what it would go for on the market. I just really love this cover and I wanted to have it preserved. So that's, that's why I, I do have a reader copy as well for, for out, everybody out there listening. But so I have two copies, but the reader one is just, it's beat to hell, but I get to flip through it whenever I want. So, yeah, that's a stunning cover. It's so cool. It looks like something that Bernie Wrightson would have done to be honest. <laughs> I, yeah. And that's, that's the thing is I think that I, I'm not sure, uh, I, I, there's no comparison. Like there's, there's, everybody has their, this style, but there's so many good artists out there. It's so hard to, to pick one. And, and I'll get to exactly kind of what led me to Frazetta being one of my favorite artists, but I've got, I've got more coming. Nice. All right, Mike, what's your number five? It is the one shot of Conan 2099, which came out a couple of years ago. I love the 2099 comics so much. They were just like really weird and cool when they came out in the early 90s. But we got to be honest, they're like a lot of them really aren't that great. (laughs) Like like the Spider-Man stories are pretty uneven as they go on. Doom 2099 is it's just this convoluted mess for a while, but it definitely gets better. And I never really cared about X-Men 2099, but like this came out a couple of years ago when they were kind of doing the resurgence of 2099 stuff. And again, those were pretty uneven, but this just felt like a masterclass of a one-shot issue. It's literally my favorite Conan story in comics. Wow. Uh, it, it feels like the perfect distillation of the character. He's Conan, the man who became a king, was cursed by a witch. And then at the end of this one-shot book manages to head out for the horizon on his own terms it reminds me a lot of the way that the what if thor met conan ended um with the way that it's framed narratively it's beautiful the art's great i want to get all the variant covers at some point i have read this comic so many times like it's just it's one of those things that like people ask like what's a good comic to read and i'm like it doesn't matter what you like it's just this is a great story and so this is the one I always throw at people. Well, I got to read that now. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds that. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Which is, I haven't read it yet. So yeah, I, a lot of people haven't read it. And <laughs> I'm just like, you, you need to read it. It's great. Yeah. Specifically Jake and I, who are massive barbaric fans. And, and I'm actually also really just, shocked. Yeah. I'm surprised that I haven't read it, but I, I think it's because I avoided the 2099 when they came back. I mean, most of them weren't that good. I remember reading the Ghost Rider and Punisher ones, and and there was a Fantastic Four one or a Doom one, and I was like, eh, whatever. These are none of these are great. But this one's written by Jerry Duggan. Um, okay. And and you know anything that he writes is just excellent. Yeah, that's yeah. Now that you say who wrote it, I'm in hundred percent. I need to read it. Okay, 
my top or my number five is uh, funny that we talked about Rob Liefeld earlier is uh, I have my new new mutants 98 (laughs) uh, new new stand edition. And I, I love this book. Uh, I absolutely love the cover honestly too, because this is a book that I found probably within a year of collecting. And uh, when I found, cause I love Deadpool. And so I would go to my local shop and I would flip through and you both know this, the heartache of flipping through a long box and you find a series of something you're looking for and you flip, 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 and you see every single number leading up to the one you're looking for. And mm-hmm. then it skips the number you're looking for. And then it has everything after I, I know you feel my pain w- yes. with this phenomena. Yeah. Like I could feel my ch- my chest just getting a little bit tight as you were saying. I'm like, I know where this is going. Yeah. So I go to my local shop and I'm flipping through and there's a new long box there. Uh, they literally have a wall of long boxes in this shop and there was a new one on the floor. And I was like, of course, I'm going to look at the new one flipping through. I find a few ASMs I'm actually looking for. I think I found ASM 316 at the same time. Nice. So that's like the return of Venom and that cover is going for. Like, oh, I think yeah. that book's going for like a hundred bucks or something now. It's crazy. I'm flipping through and I find new mutants. I'm like, oh, here we go again. So I literally find like from issue 90 and I go up and I'm like, every single issue's there. And I flip and 98's there. And I'm not kidding you. I blacked out. Like I saw nothing. Like my vision <laughs> went black. <laughs> and I, I pulled right. it out of this long box and it was beautiful. It was in such good shape. So I, I sent it into CGC years later and it came back a nine, six. Nice. I just love this book. I, I, I do really love the art, the style of it. So that that's my number five. And to, to kind of uh, keep us moving along, I'll do my four and we'll, we'll snake back okay. and uh, no, no list of mine will be complete without an invincible book. And uh, invincible is one of my favorite comic stories of all time. It, day to day it probably is my favorite comic story and i on my list i have a few but to kind of represent the entire uh collection i have uh invincible number 16 the first appearance of angstrom levy my favorite villain from invincible in a 9.8 i absolutely love the villain of angstrom levy he brings like a psychological tech Uh, side to the series that he's not just a person that can punch really hard and he just uses psychological warfare and he uses uh, Mark's family against him so it it just completely threw the entire series for me I I loved it but uh, this is is a book that uh, that means a lot to me and I got lucky with other books from Invincible I found issue two three and four for like a hundred bucks at my LCS a couple months before the show dropped and my issue two came back in nine, eight. So I have, I have a lot of love for this series, but especially 16. Yeah. You, I remember one of my early messages with you was about how I found something that was invincible related that you didn't know about. Yeah. What was it? Was it the handbook? No, it was the, the super rare holofoil of masters of the universe. That was, that's like right. A, it was a studio exclusive from the studio that put it out. Yeah. I'm still looking for that. Yeah, it's a uh, like the guy that I bought it from must have worked there because I've seen him throw up multiple copies. Like every time he sells one, he throws up another. 
Yeah, I, I need to be more on the hunt because I do love my foil covers, but I, I definitely need that one just to, to complete the Invincible collection. Yeah. All right, Mike, what's your number four? All right. Um, it is a copy of House of X number one, which, again, like I think <laughs> probably a little bit of a surprise for you guys, but this was a blank variant that I had my friend Tom Balin do a commission sketch for. And he's this incredible artist who went viral a couple of years ago for a Black Panther kind of New Yorker style cartoon he did. And it wound up being so popular that Marvel bought it to use for two versions of variant covers for the first issue of Black Panther Volume 7. And one of my favorite characters is Kitty Pride, and her whole arc in Marauders that Jerry Duggan was writing has been incredible. So... Tom was taking commissions. I told him I wanted something with Pirate Kitty and Lockheed and then left it up to him. And I'm going to send this to you now. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Oh my gosh. This is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So Tom has this really wonderful kind of playful style. He has an independent series that he's doing for IDW called Chica Cabra. It's great. Highly recommend you check out all of his stuff. Um, but having his art on the start of the whole Hickman run of X-Men and like, you know, kind of showcasing the ripple effects that 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 led to, it just it felt like this really special thing. And and I love that I have this commission done by someone whose art and friendship I really value. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That's so cool. And and anytime that you can get Pirate Kitty Pride with <laughs> Blackbeard thing. <laughs> no that's a beautiful piece yeah all right jake you're up all right well uh my list couldn't be wouldn't be complete without uh another foil variant cover uh so i want to say mike this is for you but this one's still for me uh this is uh this is my signed copy of uh this is irredeemable number one, but this is the Mark Wade is evil edition. Uh, and this is, it's autographed by Mark Wade. I've got a certificate of authenticity that came with it. Uh, my understanding is that they were, there were 300 signed copies of this. And then there were 500 unsigned copies printed mm. for a total of uh, only 800 of them. Uh, and the thing was, is part of why this is on my list is, Irredeemable was, I call it uh, Back from the Dead uh, series or comic books uh, because it sort of resuscitated me when I, so I came back to comic books uh, around the time this Irredeemable came out and I discovered the book and it really brought me like, I was like, oh, you know, I'll see what's in the store. I walk into the store and Irredeemable is there. So is American Vampire and these two series, I decided to pick them up just give them a read, see what, what comics had to offer. Cause I hadn't collected or read for like a decade before that. So I was just coming in blind and it just, it, once I started reading that, like I just went head first into comics all over again. Uh, and so this was like 2009, 2010, somewhere in that ballpark, uh, not too far around, around about the time I'd bought that captain America as well. I was trying, I was starting to get really much f m further into comics. I didn't actually get this book though until earlier this year, uh, not long after we had spoken to Mr. Mark Wade on uh, on our podcast. And I was I I knew about the book. I loved the cover, uh, but 
just didn't own it. And then I went out and, and finally pulled the trigger on one that I had found online. That that was such a good episode of your show, by the way. That Mark Wade interview. episode is so good. I love the fact that you told him that you don't like Superman. <laughs> but it, like at the same time, I was telling him I liked other stuff, right? Like I wasn't like <laughs> telling him I hate everything you've ever written. I just have never connected to Superman as a character, but I like this version of Superman. Yeah. I, just, I still love how on a uh, Dear Watcher's anniversary episode you were like, I read it, I read Birthright afterwards. <laughs> <read it> after. <laughs> Not how interviews work. But you know what? Even after having read it after, which it uh, Superman Rebirth is good. It's not a it's not bad, but it doesn't make me want to start keep reading Superman books, mm-hmm. though. Uh it just makes me like respect. Maybe I respect Superman more. I respect the writers that take on such a difficult character. However, I gravitate towards darker characters. Uh, so, and Superman is not. <laughs> That's understandable. I, I kind of was in the same boat. There, there aren't many Superman stories that I connect to very well. But uh, Tom Taylor's Superman, Son of Kal-El, though, mm-hmm. holy crap. That first issue broke me. I love it so much. Mm-hmm. All right, what, what's your number three, Jake? Here we go. Uh, this one is, I said uh, Frank Frazetta was going to come back, uh, and he has. This is my copy of Famous Funnies 214 from 1954. So this <sighs> is my absolute favorite comic book cover of all time. So this is, uh, it's a super old book. It took me quite a while to find a copy that I could I could actually get. Uh, it is graded as a 1.5, uh, but it is, it's a Buck Rogers cover and it is gorgeous. It's got a giant red moon in the background with Buck Rogers in a spaceship. And, and there's a green villainous character standing on the spaceship pointing a gun at him. Uh, yeah, it's like this cover and this run of covers of famous funnies. There's, there's a run of like five from like, uh, Famous Funnies 210 to 215, and they are all absolutely astonishing. So yeah. I, I only have this one. I, I would like to get the other ones, but they are all equally as rare and expensive, unfortunately. That cover is actually on the Wikipedia page for him. It's like the first thing you see when you look at his early. Oh, career. really? <laughs> I yeah. did not know that. Is this also the book that got used as toilet paper in your floppies episode? <sighs> yes. This is you got annihilated in that oh, episode, by came the way. Me right away, instantly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun game, though. It really is a fun game. Uh, childish, but fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's highbrow humor. <laughs> oh, <very. laughs> everyone, go go subscribe to Spectales Patreon so you can listen to the floppy episodes. That's so good. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. Join, join the Scars Army. Come on, guys. All right, Mike. What you got? Okay, so I my next one is it is it is two versions of the same comic. It is the first and second printing of Death's Head Two, number one. And this was this series was like from the era when Marvel managed to bottle lightning with their Marvel UK stuff when they were putting out these really cool stories that blended. UK style sci-fi and fantasy stories with Marvel storytelling and characters. And 
I talked about this on on the episode of Spectales where we came on uh, about how I had an autographed copy of Armageddon 2001 that my dad bought me when we had just returned to San Francisco. It's still one of my favorite comics, but just not top five. Um, and so my dad bought me, he bought like a blister pack of Death's Head 2. Like they, they back in the 90s, they were, you know, at the height of the speculation boom, they were doing everything. They were putting out mini series of comics and blister packs that were like limited editions and numbered and all that stuff. And so he was like, I have a business dinner. Like, let's let's swing by Toys R Us on the way there and we'll, I'll buy you some comics so you can just sit in the booth next to us and read. And I, it was great. Like, I I loved it. I um, I didn't get a lot of time with my dad when I was growing up. He was a finance dude in the 80s and 90s. And by the time that I really started seeking his approval, I had two other siblings to compete for his attention with, plus long office hours. And these days, our personalities are pretty different and don't really go together. So, like, this is one of those really strong childhood memories for me where I got a night of relatively undivided attention with my dad, and I got introduced to, like, one of my favorite comic books. And so the thing is, is that Flying Colors Comics in Concord recently had Liam Sharp at their store to sign Starhenge, and I brought my copies of Death's Head 2. And I was telling him, I'm like, I've been waiting for 30 years to have you sign these. And so it's really special. And this is actually going to be like basically one of the few books that I actually send out for for grading and, you know, signature authentication because like it means so much to me. And I'm going to put them on display. Oh, that's that is incredible. Yeah, I, I remember when you, you you talking about that on our show and it was it, such a good story. It, that is still to this day, one of my favorite episodes, but just going back into your story and your reasoning and, and the emotions attached to things is, is yeah. incredible. Yeah. I'm an emotional collector. That's, that's my thing most of the time. So I hold on to stuff and, and I have a lot of the things in my, in my, my, my very important boxes um, that like, you know, if there's another fire that we have to evac for or going to my car, a lot of them are books that just have really fond memories. And I know that they're harder to find and I don't want to try to replace them not worth anything I, f- I feel like that happens with there, there's a lot of books in my collection too that i just associate with periods of my life mm-hmm. that that mean a lot to me so like books that i got while i was in grad school and like finances were not the greatest or there, there's just a lot of different like time periods that you can go to with your collection and just be like i got this at this point and it's fun mm-hmm. to to like reminisce over everything so I, but i love i love that story behind that book though yeah. And I mean, like, the thing is that, you know, Jessica and I both live in areas that are vulnerable to wildfires. Like her, her, her family's house burned down in 2017. And, and she's talked about it before about how one of the hardest things was she found the remains of a, a pile of books and you could, they were still in the shape of a pile of books, but they were just ash. And like, That's it was really true. hard. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just anyway, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to bring it down. No. No, just that oh, just yeah. just okay. we just appreciate the things that we have because we yeah. realize that they can go away very quickly. Yep. All right, back to you. All right. Uh I think it's uh pretty pretty fun, Mike, that you had a sketch cover done. So I, I actually have have one of my own. So my number three on my list is I I was back in grad school again and Kevin Eastman came to the local shop. And so I bought my ticket 
to be able to get a, a book signed by him. And I, I actually had the first time the original run had been put together in a collected edition. So I had him sign that. And then over just on the table, he had done some sketch covers uh, on a few different blank uh, variants for TMNT, the IDW run. And I saw this book and I immediately knew that it didn't matter that I had no money in my bank account. I, what I did have needed to be uh, spent on this book. And it is a TMNT from the IDW series, issue 22, and it is a sketched RAF. And it is, it, is I glorious. love this book. I love this book so much because a lot of times when he does these covers, he'll do like chest up. And this is one of the first times I've ever seen him also draw the bottom of the shell, the legs and Raph just has a really cool, like just his facial features and everything were cool. And he even colored in the bandana. So the, this book means a lot to me and it, it was an absolute pleasure meeting him. He's such a nice creator uh, it was took the time to speak to everyone. And then this issue 22 is also part of the city fall storyline, which is one of my favorite runs from IDW that they've done. It's where Leo like basically gets brainwashed and starts fighting with shredder against the turtles. Mm. So really cool storyline. But yeah, th this book means a, a lot to me just because it, it was, it was like, I got to meet one of my favorite comic creators and it was just the, the most perfect experience you could kind of hope for. You and Jessica love Ninja Turtles so much. Like, yes. So much. They're so much fun. I'm waiting for you two to do an episode just where it's just the two of you talking about your favorite Ninja Turtle books. Oh, for sure. I absolutely, we absolutely need to do that. Yeah, I, it's just Turtles, man. I mean, we all grew up with them. We all had those on our Saturday morning cartoons. I, hell, I had the VHS tapes. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the All Star cartoon characters say no to drugs video that they were giving out back in like the late 80s, early 90s? I specifically tracked it down when I was a kid so I could get it because it had Michelangelo in it and he shows up for like five seconds and I was very <laughs> grumpy. <laughs> it's it's also a, a garbage cartoon, but whatever. Eh, it happens. At least I had him for two seconds in there. Yeah. Uh, so my my number two. I, I kind of merged a few books together because they were uh, during the pandemic, me and a buddy, Jeremy, who has been on the podcast multiple times, he, we, we started reselling because we're like, Hey, we're not working right now. We need some way of getting money. So we started buying and reselling collections and we obviously, I, I saved a lot of that money, but I knew I wanted to get a few different books to kind of beef up my collection. I have three specific ones that, that mean the most, but I'll kind of, I'll mention them briefly so i have a silver surfer one uh 4.0 cgc graded i mm. have my x-men 12 which i shared as my grail tale on uh spec tales not yes, too long did. ago on our episode but th the book that was my number one priority when i s had enough money to buy a bigger book is my Iron Man number one from 1968, and it is a CGC 6.5. That's such a great cover, too. I have been obsessed with this cover since I first saw it when I got into collecting comics, and it's a book that I was like, I'll never be able to own this book. It's too expensive, and it, it just turned out that I had enough money at the time, and it was going for a really good price, and this was right before everyone started using their pandemic like their their checks 
to mm-hmm. buy more books in the collecting. And so I got this before the price for it basically doubled. It's so cool. I just kind of like stare at it every once in a while, but like, I don't even care. It's off white pages. doesn't matter to me. I, I love this book. Something about that, co- which I love the cover. It is incredible. But something that I think of every time I see the cover is Iron Man, who is covered in metal. Why are his legs so muscular on that cover? I have no clue. But he's he's definitely not skipping leg day, that's for sure. <laughs> like, you know, it, it, should his legs be really showing through? I mean, this is this is just me picking apart the art, and I just... I just can't help but see it every time now. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious just because when you look at like, cause even the chest plate, he's also shredded. Like you see the abs. So oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I wonder if maybe Tony Stark had like such a complex that he's like, well, I'm not personally in the greatest shape, but I can make my armor look like I'm in the best shape. Well, because the early armor, he, he just, you know, he was rocking that dad bod like mm-hmm. if going by the armor shape. Yeah, he was, he was Shellhead. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. We are nearing the top the top of our list, so we have... Uh, Mike, you want to go with your top two? Uh, sure. So, um, my, number, my number two is uh, a copy of First Issue Special number four from 1975. And um, so it's, it's a really... <laughs> It's it honestly it feels more silly and dumb these days, but it's like kind of a fun story. It introduces us to the character of Liz Warner, aka Lady Cop, and uh, basically it starts off with her hiding under the bed while her roommate is murdered, and she like witnesses the murder, and like it's by this guy named like known as the Cowboy Boot Killer, and he leaves like an Ace of Spades as his card, and when she's giving her statement to the cops, they're like, oh, like you've got a really good memory, you should think about being a cop i don't know um so she joins the police and and it's kind of like a standard origin story um and there's also like a weird divergence into this very formulaic kind of romance comic story um it makes zero sense it's one of the silliest things i've ever read but i love it so much and then this was sarah's first christmas gift to me um, oh, cool. And so like, you know, uh, for those of you who don't know, Sarah is my partner. She is pretty much the most supportive person I could have ever asked for. She does all of our art uh, for the podcast and is just incredibly kind and generous and supportive of my unhealthy addiction to collecting comics. And she actually, for my birthday a couple of years ago, bought me a comic spinner that we just throw all the stuff that we need to read on there. It's great. Very cool. That's wicked good. I need it. I actually want one of those spinners too. I don't. I don't know where I display it just yet, but I, I yeah. want one of those too. All right. Well, my number two is not going to come as a surprise to either of you, uh, but it was one of those instant like, well, that one's going on the list. Uh, Lance, very similar to uh, the book Your Iron Man One, where you just told yourself you wanted it, you didn't think you were ever going to be able to afford it. That's the same thing for me on this one. It is Incredible Hulk 181. Uh, this I is a it. it is a great copy. Show up. Yeah, you had to, right? Yeah. This is this is one of my favorite books uh, ever. This is one of my favorite covers of all time. 
Um, whether you want to get into the or like, you know, which one is the actual first appearance of Wolverine for me, it doesn't matter because this cover wins. Uh, 100%. I like the cover for 180. This one wins. And then I really do enjoy, I did not pay a nickel for this copy. And what I mean by that is I just had other books. I traded six books to get it. Mm. Uh, it's a, such a like fun story that like I didn't even appreciate when I was in that moment, which was just a year ago. Like I was just like, yeah, I'll trade these six books and I'll get that. And now I look back and I'm like, how the hell did I do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I to do it in the time, like, I don't know. It just, I don't, it, it was a fun story, fun, fun memory that, uh, I won't, uh, I won't forget about it anytime soon. So this one had to make the list for sure. So, so Jake, what you're saying is you used the hobby to pay for the hobby. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I, I used the hobby to pay for itself. And it, in this case, it really worked out in my favor. And I, I, the six books I traded, uh, just in case anybody out there listening is curious, I traded a, and they were all graded books. Uh, it was a uh, Avengers forty eight, mm-hmm. a X Men fourteen, okay. uh, First Sentinels, a ASM one twenty four, uh, which was First Man Wolf, um, the Iron Man fifty five, First Thanos, mm-hmm. and then man, I I don't think I can remember the last one. I don't know. That's unfortunate. I should be able to remember this stuff, but. It's, it's how it goes. I think the, the more important thing is the book that you got out of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, I know which one I got. I didn't forget what that one was. <laughs> if, if you did, we, we might need to have a different conversation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was a fun trade, and the process was surprisingly easy. Um, oh, but I had nice. a, a, an agreeable trade partner. Great. That's amazing. Well, if, if that's your number two, I am sitting so on curious. the edge of my seat to hear your number one. See, I knew you would be, and that was kind of the that was the fun part uh, about this one. Uh, so is it, I'm going right. We're snaking. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. Okay. So this one's fun. Uh, my number one. I'm not an autograph guy per se, and most of that is really tied to the fact that, honestly, living in Nebraska. And not having the travel funds to just go to every con or anything like that, that I I want to. And I also am genuinely a person that like the the autographs I do have, none of them were gotten in person. And I know that at some point I'm going to get that opportunity. And one of these books is coming off my top five list for whatever book that is when I, you know, when I get an opportunity to meet Scott Snyder and get him to autograph my copy of American Vampire number one or something Mm -hmm. like that. However, uh, something about this book, uh, this is a Stan Lee signed book. It's the only mm-hmm. Stan Lee signed book I have. And looking back, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense what book it is that is signed by Stan Lee. But it, at this point, it doesn't matter. Now, you guys might remember this book from just a little while ago. This is uh, <laughs> Spider-Man yes. Maximum Clonage Alpha Number One. <laughs> so, this is not my for this is not the book that I actually collected. So I have the original book that I got from the off the shelf. This is one that was signed by Stanley. I saw it online, uh, and I was like, 
Yeah, the first book I ever bought myself and it's signed by Stan Lee. Yeah, I, I think I need that. And so uh, so I bought it and uh, and it's, you know, I don't I don't talk about it all that often, to be honest. Uh, but every every now and again, you pull it out and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got it. It's a, it is slabbed. It's a nine point eight CGC uh, yellow labels signed by Stan Lee on uh February 16th, 2013. Wow. Okay. So yeah, I, I wanted to, to bookend. I, I specifically, uh, I specifically put that book first and last, uh, to try to separate it. I wanted to build the suspense, you know? No, I love that we came a full 360. That's great. Yeah. It's like you're a storyteller. Oh yeah. A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Mike, I'm chomping at the bit to hear what you got. Okay, so this is one that I actually I don't think I've ever talked about before, but it is G.I. Joe original series 21, which is known as the silent issue. So I grew up watching G.I. Joe. I had so many action figures when I was a kid. And this is the comic that, you know, it gave us the first silent issue, like where there was no dialogue, but it moves the overall meta story forward in a really meaningful way. It is the first appearance of Storm Shadow. It introduces us to what eventually became the Arashikagi Ninja Clan. I've reread it several times, and I think it is one of the most perfect comics that's ever been done. And somehow I've wound up with like four copies of it in my collection over the years. Like, <laughs> like nice. I, I bought, I bought a copy for myself years ago, and it was a little ratty. And then when I had some more money, I bought a nicer copy. And then recently a friend of mine gave me a bunch of his collection and it includes like this huge swath of GI Joe. And there were two copies of issue 21 in there. So I was like, all right, fine. Um, But the Arashikagi tattoo, it always goes on the right forearm. There's it's usually on the outside, but there've been a couple instances where it's shown on the inside. I thought about getting the tattoo on my, I thought about getting the tattoo on my right arm for years and it felt really appropriate after I'd moved back to the Bay Area this last time because I'd just gotten out of like the most toxic job I'd ever had and in a really toxic marriage. And I just decided to get some ink to celebrate. And it turns out the meaning of the Arashikagi symbol is it's all about balance and celebrating success while getting ready for the next challenges. So it felt like a really appropriate piece to get. And so now I have Arashikagi ink on my right forearm and I get high fives from nerds like every few months when they spot it like one of my favorites was I was at a gaming convention and this guy walks by does a double take comes back shows me he's got the exact same tattoo in the exact same place and he goes what's up brother I'm like yeah it's great nice. that's amazing yeah so that's my number one great look that's good reasoning behind it too that's so cool yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, like the the early GI Joe stuff by by Larry Hama is so good, like it's so good. I can't even begin to describe it. And man, I love him. I love his art. I love his storytelling. Yeah. Now you just need to figure out which comic creators also have that tattoo. So when you can go to a convention, you just show it. Yeah, I know Seth Green has it. Oh, has he really? That's, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, like, you know, maybe he'll try to make an NFT out of it and have that get stolen <laughs> when he oh. tries to make a TV show. <laughs> oh, that was unfortunate. Oh, oh I, salt I, in an open wound. 
I have been laughing so hard about that. That story just warms my cockles. Well, on that uplifting note, we can we can <laughs> go to my number one. And and funny enough, my number one is also signed by Stanley. Again, when I was getting into comics, my my favorite character was Venom. And I, I love the animated series version. I was obsessed with the different covers that they had for the early comic runs that he did with Lethal Protector. So I knew I wanted issue number one. I was in college and I had this like tiny I had this really crappy job where I was basically just working on fire extinguishers and, and like fixing them and all this whole stuff. So I had a little bit of money saved up and I went to a shop when I was back home in California, I walk into the shop and there is this really nice copy of ASM 300 sitting underneath the glass. Mm. I asked if there was any wiggle room on the price and they were like, no Venom movie is about to be announced. And this, I'll, like this was years before they actually even announced the movie coming out. He would not wiggle on the price. It was at the time the most money I'd ever spent on a book, which was 200 bucks. So I, I purchased the ASM 300. And then I had a buddy that the same roommate that introduced me to comics was like, hey, I'm going to be running an art booth at Salt Lake Comic Con. Do you want to come help run my booth? And then you can walk off and go do whatever else. And I was like, sure. Free access to a con. Awesome. It's like sold. And it just so happened that Stan Lee was going to be doing a signing at Salt Lake Comic Con that year, which uh, was an immediate, I need to go get my book signed by Stan Lee. So I have my amazing Spider-Man 300 signed by Stan the man. This was when his health was starting to decline. He wasn't talking too much to people that were coming up to his Mm. booth. But he had a smile on and he was signing everyone's books, taking the time to do it. And it it was amazing that I was just able to meet him in person before he passed away. And this is the the book I cherish the most in my collection. Yeah, that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. And and for everyone listening, like not graded, CGC was there. I, I had zero interest in graded books at the time. I did pay the extra $5 for this little Stanley authentication sticker. Oh, cool. Which I I don't know if anyone would <laughs> accept that as showing proof of it, but I I did buy it for an extra five bucks. But uh, this book is never going anywhere; it's staying with me forever. So I I didn't see the need to grade it because I was like, eh, it's just gonna stick with me. I would have graded it now for sure. I would have graded it now, knowing what I know. But yeah. it's uh, it's it's my grail piece. Yeah, and a fantastic one at that. That's that's a. It's a great book. Uh, I have owned a copy of it, uh, but I I ended up selling it to try to afford. Uh, actually, specifically that Frank Frazetta Famous Funnies two fourteen. Uh, my ASM three hundred went into that. So yeah, nice. the hobby pays for itself. Yeah, or as worth much it. of it as I can. Mm-hmm. But that was a hard book to get to let go of. It very much was a hard book to let go of. Yeah, I, I just love the cover so much. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. Was that Eric Larson or Todd McFarlane? Todd McFarlane. McFarlane. Because I know they were right around the same time, but. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, Larson was, uh, he he started on Spider-Man, I think, a little later. Uh, but mm-hmm. he was, yeah, he was the guy responsible for Venom's tongue. Um, yep. Yeah. Which he didn't um, even remember. 
didn't remember and actually doesn't really care for Venom. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been so much fun. A long time coming. We got to talk about our favorite books in our collections. So before we wrap things up, why don't you two both tell our listeners where they can find you? Jake, you want to go first? I would be happy to go first. So the Spectales podcast, uh, myself and my co-host, Jesus, we do it once a week. It drops every Wednesday, kind of like another podcast that we know of on this conversation. And uh, we, uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And I, like I said, as far as the podcast goes, you can find us everywhere you listen to podcasts. So give it a shot. See if you like it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so my co-host, Jessica Frazier, Jessica with a K. And I uh, can be found on every platform except for Spotify. We took a stand and pulled it because Spotify continues to give prominent voices, spreading vaccine disinformation, um, a lot of a lot of backing, which we don't like. But you can go to TencentTakes.com. Tencent Takes, all one word, on all of the social media platforms. You can find us there. Uh, we are currently bi-weekly, but starting next month, we are going to be dropping weekly episodes where when it's not a regular episode, we're going to be talking about things that we found in the dollar bins. Yes. What? I am yeah. so excited for that. No. Hashtag dollar bin discovery. Yeah. Nice. Everyone needs to be paying attention to both of these shows. Ten Cent Takes and Spec Tales Podcast are two of my favorite shows, period, to listen to anyway. I was listening to both of them before I was able to meet these two fine gentlemen, being able to uh, build up our friendship. And legitimately, we talk all the time, and it's always so much fun. Heavy heavy amounts of sarcasm. So I, I, thank you both again for for joining in on this episode, because I, I think this this is definitely like a very eclectic group to have together for our specific interests well thank you it's uh this was a blast thank you yeah i had tons of fun and and honestly same thing goes for both of your podcasts uh they are every week i listen to them uh and uh, it's something that i look forward to or mike in in your case every two weeks but now that you're (laughs) going to be weekly oh man it's gonna be awesome thursday morning it's gonna be interesting like, I don't know. It's going to be a lot more uh, random trash that we discover. I love the random trash. Yeah. Nice. But no, like, you know, we, I, I think we're all in the same boat where, where each other shows are, are each of our favorites. And like, I'm so glad that I've gotten to know both of you guys over the past year. Um, it's just, it's meant a lot. And, you know, Jessica, I think is very jealous that she wasn't invited on to the show for this episode. <laughs> I I will definitely have another episode in mind for Jessica. We got to do some TMNT fun. Yeah, man. She'll be all over that. It's about time to close the book on this top five comic book episode. So until next time, this is Lance. This is Jake. And this is everyone's favorite trash goblin, Mike. Reminding you to keep your friends close. But your comic books? Closer. Closer.